Welcome back to another edition of the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gluck, and I'm here in the Dover International Speedway Media Center with Aaron Fisher, who I know from Twitter, and I met you a couple times in person. But Aaron, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Jeff? I'm great, thank you. So why don't like why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? You're on Twitter, you're known as Racer48 Racer. Why is that your Twitter name? Well, ever since I was little, uh, you know, everyone gets on the internet when they're really young, like 10, 11 years old. So when I first started getting on the internet, we used to have a car uh, carport at our house. So I used to have, like, Carport 1996 is my name. Uh-huh. But as I got older, I was like, that's not going to cut it. So I've always been a fan of Jimmy Johnson my whole life, and I'm a race fan. Would love to be a racer, but that hasn't turned out well, unfortunately. So at that time when I was like 12, 13 years old, I decided to change all my usernames to Racer48 Racer, and I've stuck with it. Okay. And if you follow that account, as I do on my Jeff Gluck 2 account, uh, you'll find some clever NASCAR tweets. Um, and the notable tweet I, I loved last year, I think I retweeted it on my main account maybe, is when you were at the stoplight and you were imitating David Hoots with your Put It Out uh, video. Yeah. So I don't know if people remember that, but yeah. that was you. So Yeah, that, that was really good. Um, originally, it was tweeted by Elijah over here, uh, at Elijah Whosoever, if you guys want to follow him too or if you know of him. Um, this was around the time at Watkins Glen when, after Daytona, Everybody was talking about the overtime line and how they were waiting, supposedly, or maybe or maybe not, uh, to put the light out after they got the overtime line. So we were walking over to Walmart looking for NASCAR diecast because we collect that stuff and uh, get to the light pole, and I'm like, oh, this is like the, the button that, that Hoots pushes. <laughs> I know it's the button that he pushes. So we're just sitting there, you know, sometimes people will slam that button trying to get it to work and change the lights and cross the street, and we're just like, let's just shoot this and try to pretend like we're David Hoots and and NASCAR controller, whatever, and so we kind of did that, posted it, and it got really popular. That's that's cool. Well, um, you know, I, I think you're one of the people that's the very, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of, there's a cool little Twitter community who, I don't know if other fans know about it, but I see all these tweets because people interact with me, and then I'm like, oh man, these people are funny. So I wanted to just have you on the podcast since I knew you were here this weekend, and we could talk about the Dover race, which just finished, um, you know, kind of a butt kicking I guess you could say by Harvick I mean he, it's not like he dominated the entire race but he every time um, you know he would get back in the field or at all he would just come right back up to the front it, you kind of knew it was only a matter of time before he was going to get there I think he led like six different times or something like that pretty much the best car the best car won I mean was that your impression of the race yeah for sure I mean uh, for the beginning of the race we were watching it was like him versus Keselowski and Keselowski kind of fell off and then we had the rain delay and all of a sudden Clint Boyer was up there out of nowhere still don't really know we weren't I don't guess totally paying attention on how Boyer got up there but he was fast and then um, like every every green flag we'd get you know a guy blowing a tire and Derek Cope spinning out there wrecking whatever they're doing and you know he kind of get mired back in traffic and as soon as we get to like 10 20 laps he'd be right up there with him whether it was with Keselowski or Boyer having really good battles and earlier in the race there were some really good battles for the lead and then we just got to the end he just killed everybody he really put a butt whooping on him yeah and I, I thought he drove a really patient race too because it was like you know there was that one the one battle with Kozlowski was probably the best of the whole day and it wasn't like they were ever really side by side for long but he was just stalking Kozlowski I mean it probably had to go on for like 20 laps and he was just so patient about it he kept trying different lines I feel like that was a real veteran kind of thing coming out where some of the younger guys might make a mistake there throw it away or 
or do something. He just had total patience, and he did it later in the race with Boyer, too, when he was tracking down Boyer for the lead. I mean, it was like, man, this is this is his day. He's just he's just doing everything right, you know? Yeah, um, we were noticing in the beginning when Alex Bowman got in the lead through that pit strategy that all the young guys at the beginning of that run were up front, and then they get to 20, 30 laps, and they'd all fall back, and you got uh, Harvick, Keselowski, Hamlin, Kyle Busch all started coming up through the field, and they were all falling back. I think that really shows the veterans know how to bide their time and have some patience. Take and, care uh, of their tires. Yep. Yep, 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 for sure. So I think that's something that um, a lot of these teams with young drivers should consider that. I know they're really fiery and really hot, which is a really great thing, but in some races anymore, too, they get a lot of long green flag runs. you got to try and get them to dial back a little bit. Like, for example, last year here, we were watching in the stands when Chase Elliott had that big lead and Kyle Busch just came up and whooped him. Our jaws were on the ground. Yeah. It was like, how did that even happen? He was like three seconds back, and then he just passed him on the last lap. Yep. And so, you know, that's just something I think the young guys could consider. But he definitely, Harvick was, I think, the best one out of all of them to just bide his time and stay right behind him. It was kind of entertaining to watch him. though, just stalking him. It's pretty tough this year when, like, either Harvick or Kyle Busch gets out front because I think they're both sort of... I mean, I'd, I'd say they're both even above Truex or Kyle Larson. I mean, those two teams in particular. And I think Harvick is probably better than Kyle Busch at this point, but 11 races so far, and those two have combined to win seven of the 11 races. It's like every week you pretty much know. I mean, Kansas next week, it's kind of like, ooh, Harvick or Kyle. I mean, maybe yep. Truex gets up there, but this season is very odd so far in that there's no talk at all about, you know, who's going to be all these different winners. It's just like, it's it's only a few names we're talking about. Yeah. I'm trying to remember how many winners did we have last year, different, like 14 or... Something like that, yeah. Then this year it's only been, what, we got like six, five, five or six. So it's kind of a different season, but um, I think when we get to the summertime, I think things will change. The Camaros, I know that they have some issues they're probably working through and i think when we get to the summertime stuff kind of changes with everybody and uh so hopefully we get to summertime i think you'll see some other cars like marson or chase elliott hopefully or some young guys come alive and maybe learn something from these first first part of the season so do you like the do you like the kind of seasons like this one where it's one uh one or two teams that are really kicking everybody's butt or do you like the parody seasons more where it's just like oh my gosh it's kind of wide open uh, I don't mind either or, but I will tell you that, like, yesterday with the Justin Algar, Elliott Sadler thing, when these guys get crazy and there's just, like, random races and they're just, just the craziest stuff, we get really excited. I mean, we were jumping up and down, and I love seeing, like, first-time winners. Like, we were there for when Chris Busher won his race in the fog at Pocono, uh, Austin Dillon's fuel mileage race at Charlotte last year, um, stuff like that. I love I love the parody seasons, and I think they're really cool. Um, and getting different winners, and I like. I, I'm hoping this season a lot of the young guys will get a chance to win. But also, I can also appreciate the dominance by some of the teams that show it. it may may not be the greatest thing um, compared to the parody seasons because they're really funny to watch and exciting. But um, sometimes you just have to respect some of that stuff. And like right now, Ford, like last year, Toyota was is just dominant. Well, I, I was going to say I hope you would appreciate somewhat of the dominant being a Jimmy Johnson fan. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I yeah, like the exactly. parodies more, but you being a Jimmy fan of all people. Especially here at Dover. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he and he did get a top ten, you know, which is lately it's like good by his standards, I guess. But, yeah. you know, being it, it was Dover, he was running third for a while there. Um, do you take, you know, any positivity out of his finish today as a Jimmy uh, supporter? I think I do. I think everybody that's a Jimmy supporter should because they'll <laughs> – Last part of last season and the first part so far of this season has been pretty dismal. And I think 
Um, I know this is one of his best tracks. He's won 11 races here, but um, I think it just shows improvement uh, based on where he's been finishing the first part of the season. So I think it's something that they can work on. I know I was listening to Chad on the radio, listening to the radio with my fan vision, and um, I think they're definitely they're starting to uh, communicate a little better. I know it's, it's hard for them. They're both uh, him and Chad are like a Jimmy and Chad are like a married couple, and they fight all the time. But I think they're trying to work through that and work through getting the cars figured out with Camaro and stuff. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's a positive thing. It's definitely better than watching him finish 25th. So, well, I you know um, you weren't listening to the broadcast. I think you were outside, but uh, Jeff Gordon during the broadcast because so Jimmy I think was running third when this happened. But Chad called him in along with like Logano and maybe one other person to pit kind of off strategy. And Canal said on the radio, he's like, oh, man, I thought other people were going to come with us. He was kind of surprised. And then Jimmy, that kind of got Jimmy mired back. And even though he had fresher tires, he was never able to come through the field again. I mean, you know, it's kind of like that's that's sort of the opposite of what we used to see with the 48 team. Because it used to be like every decision they made was gold. It would always kind of work out. It's like, oh, they're playing the right call. It almost feels like now they don't make those calls with the same confidence. And um, I don't know. I feel like that that decision might have killed his race day or killed his chance to be up in the top five. Yeah, I I, uh, I think that especially Jimmy, and I don't know if you noticed with Truex too, when he got mired back, it was so hard for them to pass. And even when Larson, Larson and Austin Dillon and some of those guys got start in the back, it was so hard for them to pass. And I think they have a harder compound tire they bring to. Dover, and I think it's harder for anybody to to make up ground when they're so far back. And I know Chad tries to do some different strategies sometimes, and I think that's part of what makes Chad great. But, you know, you win some and you lose some. But I know I know that's tough, and that's probably part of the the, the doubt that goes into the team that they make a call and then it's a disaster, and then what you know, what are we going to do next week or stuff like that. But I think uh, if they remain confident and they keep working on what they do and research and development on the new Camaro, I think they can push through they just got to keep getting the good finishes and i think top tens are where they need to start so that's what i was going to ask you do you have faith that they can turn around or are their day you know are they is he never going to win number eight and is he never going to win much more races well i like to joke that he's getting into the jeff gordon age Hendrick, <laughs> you know jeff gordon had the couple of years well actually a lot more than a couple it was more like six seven eight years were really rough for him and i think you know every driver gets to that point where they kind of get to their end and he may be getting to that point and he may just, and he's just got to work through it. And I think, um, you know, it's just it's tough when you get to the retirement age. Is now like you get to 40 and you're like you should be done. And you're getting all these young guys coming in. But I think uh, this year especially has shown that the veterans can push through. And he just needs to keep working at it. And hopefully they'll get there. So yeah, it was definitely another veteran-heavy day. But one young guy who got up there um, with his career-best oval finish. Anyway, he finished third at the Glen last year, but he was third today on an oval. Was Daniel Suarez, and he really—I mean, he was in the top ten like the whole day, and he really didn't. I don't think he made a mistake all day. He was really drove a really good race. Um, it was interesting because you know his hands been hurting him, and he was saying that this—you know—this track is heavy banked and you have to use your hand a lot more he can't push on his with his hand and he said during that red flag he took the brace off that he had, his doctor had been telling him to wear because it was hurting him so bad so he took the brace off and drove the last like 80 laps or whatever without it so I mean kudos to him I mean he, he really um, performed well and, and I think we're all still waiting for these young guys to emerge I mean do you think Suarez can sort of emerge as like the leader of these young guys 
I don't know about the leader, but I will tell you that Suarez, I've noticed, has had an up-and-down season so far. He's had a couple of really bad finishes, some really good. He's he's a consistent top-ten guy, I feel like, and last year he was, and this year he's kind of been up-and-down and stuff. I, I think Suarez is one of the young guys to look for. I don't I don't know if I really want to say it, but I think the top guys to watch that are young are Chase and Ryan Blaney, although Chase hasn't produced maybe if he should or not. At this point, you know, he's still only two or three years in his um, career, and Larson, everyone wants to compare both of them. Larson had two or three years in his career before he was winning a lot and all mm-hmm. this. But I think part of Suarez today is a lot of these drivers I've noticed, like Keselowski, 2011, Pocono, he hurt his foot. The guys that fight through this pain, I think there's just something extra in there, like extra adrenaline or something that just helps them push to, to be faster at the races where they have injuries. So um, I think that might have been part of it, and I, uh, I'm sure he was hurt, and I wouldn't want to be doing that at Dover with her hurt hand, but kudos to him. Yeah, he did a really good job, and he's one to look for in the next couple of years. That's a good point about the pain thing because um, I think it was Denny Hamlin when he uh, had a knee injury once he won, um, and and we've heard from drivers that have been sick before. You know, it's something must allow them to focus or something. It's yeah. like they, they just block it out. I, I don't know what happens. It's really it's an interesting phenomenon, though. Yeah. But um, so, you know, this race overall um, – you know, there, there was a couple good battles for the lead, but I, I'm I'm not quite sure people are going to love this race. I don't know if it's going to be super memorable or any anything. And um, as you know, each week I ask uh, people, was it a good race on on Twitter? And so um, I've been asking my my podcast guests to guess the result of the poll. I'm three straight. I won last week. Um, I was going to say I beat my wife, but that that sounds bad. I defeated my wife. Uh, who made the guest election last week? Damn. Um, so, yeah. So, what do you think when I ask people tomorrow for the was it a good race poll for this race? What's the percentage um, you, you going want me to, to guess be? Guess what Twitter's going to say? Yes. Uh, I'm going to say 60% are going to say no, 40% are going to say yes. Wow. So only a 40% yes on yeah. this race. So oh, you, yeah. Everyone it, likes to hate on Dover anymore. I've noticed a lot of people just it's like Pocono and. Oh, the other track, Pocono and um, Texas. A lot of people like to hate on tracks like that. And mm-hmm. even if the race is good, it's automatically bad, which I don't agree with. But that's a whole other. So, topic. did you but think it was a good race? I thought it was a good race. Okay, so I you wouldn't it. vote. You wouldn't vote. Uh, no, you're going to vote yes, but you just think I'll other be honest, people. Jeff, are gonna... I've never voted no on any of your polls. Oh, okay. I never do. You don't. You don't think I'm, there is a such thing as a bad race? Not really. Oh, what? So you're never bored, or you're just. So my whole deal about racing is that a lot of people want to watch it for the excitement. Uh-huh. They want to watch beating and banging, you know, flying halfway through the fence, engines all over the place. And, you know, I get that, and I think it is entertaining. You know, when they're all out here beating and banging 16 wide out here, it's, it's, it's amazing. But there's also a beauty to just pure racing and just watching guys just try and go as fast as they can. And if they're not side-by-side side the whole time, then so be it. You know, like Talladega, a lot of people think it's exciting, but that's only because it's, you know, 60, or not 60, well, 40 cars in a pack, all three wide the whole time. But then, again, like a couple weeks ago at Talladega, it kind of ended single file, and then everyone's all mad. It's like, well, it is what it is, you know. It's the way it play it. And a lot of people probably don't really agree with me, but that's just too bad. You can at me on Twitter or <laughs> something like that. I just don't really care. I, I just love racing. I love watching it. And, you know, if it's single file or, like, today, Harvick won by, like, what, seven seconds? It is what it is. It's natural. I'm just glad that NASCAR's not throwing their fake debris cautions like they used to. That stuff would kill me. I just wanted races to just go 
and end naturally and not get artificially killed and then have like last year at Dover the well I don't remember if the caution was out for debris but caution came out and then they all wrecked on the back stretch and then we mm-hmm. lost 20 cars that's yeah. just dumb I'm sorry you know I, I want to watch them race not wreck the whole time but the wrecking can be entertaining especially when it's a fight <laughs> I'm kind of worried though that um, it's going to start to go the other way because the way the season's going like so I think it was June Michigan race a year ago where the drivers complained about the debris cautions pretty vocally and NASCAR ever since then has let, let the race play out right People, for the most part, say, well, it's good they're letting him play out. And I'm kind of worried that as the season has gone on and racing has been, like, lackluster, I th- I'm worried that NASCAR is going to be like, eh, you know what, mm, uh, yeah. we need we need one. Um, I, so, I kind of agree with that. I have yeah. been a little worried about that. I've been watching um, for stuff like that. I haven't really noticed a lot. Although, Talladega last week, they had that one iffy caution, uh, the Star Wars solo commercial immediately threw the caution out, and then they were showing the trailer. Came right back to pit stops, and they never showed the debris, nothing. I'm like, hmm, that's, uh, eh, I don't really like that. Yeah. But, you know, I, I love, listen, I love David Hoots. Me and him have, like, a father-son relationship, as weird <laughs> as it sounds. I mean, Wait, I have just, you met him? Oh, yeah. I oh. talked to him all the time. Like, this okay. morning, he came out of the food tent in the cup garage, and he had a piece of bread in his hand. I'm like, you got to stop eating. You know, he's got a little bit of big belly. He's like, you know... <laughs> truth is there's not really a lot i can want to eat in there like oh wow so then do that and a couple minutes later i'm over by the crossover gate and uh he's like has a bag like 40 sandwiches in his hand i'm like okay yeah right yeah you're eating fine yeah so he's he's a good guy um a lot of people give him crap he may make mistakes i'm sure he does everybody does but so you you like how he calls a race yeah, and I, I can be mad at him sometimes, you know, uh-huh. throwing cautions, taking, like, today forever with Kyle Busch. That was a little ridiculous, but, you know, he may have been snoozing. I don't know. <laughs> Eating all that food might have gotten tired. But. See, so you mentioned the Kyle Busch thing. Um, I think the one thing that kind of bothered me, too, today, and that, that caution kind of raised raised my eyebrows, but um, at the end of Stage 1, they opened, sta- they opened pit road immediately because a lot of cars were almost, uh, like, pretty iffy on fuel because of their, their own strategy. They, they didn't want to pit. They wanted to make it to the end. And NASCAR opened the opened it really quick instead of doing the typical thing where they go to a TV commercial, wait a couple minutes, wait a couple laps, whatever, and then they open it. And that helped the teams not run out of fuel. Um, and, you know, NASCAR, from their perspective, they were saying that, you know, they didn't want a situation where 15 cars were on the apron. They got to bring out all these tow trucks they don't even have and push them back to pit road. But my thing was, you know, too bad. Because, like, for the teams, like, that's their strategy. And if they're, they didn't plan for, to make it, and that's what they had to do, um, I, I, I just don't like that. I want NASCAR to be consistent with their calls. And that's not a rule. That's their own policy to wait for the commercial. But I just didn't like that they changed it, you know. I just want consistency. Yeah. Well, I agree with you, Jeff. I, I, know, I know you're all about you want consistency, and I agree. That's one of the things that I can really understand with people. Like, sometimes with the racing stuff, I don't really agree always with what people have to say, but... What I can agree on a lot of times is when NASCAR is inconsistent. I I love for them to be consistent. I understand it can be hard sometimes, but sometimes they just make some of the dumbest calls I've ever seen in my life. And it's not just NASCAR, you know, IndyCar. You're saying that about your father, David Hoots. Yeah. Your father-son relationship. You know, sometimes <laughs> fathers and sons fight, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's okay. But, you know, so um, we were watching, and who was it, Truex pitted, and Larson pitted, and we're like, nobody else is pitting. We're like, oh, they can go to 120 laps. Then we're like, 
can they actually go the 120 laps? And then, who was it, Hamlin and somebody else ran out, like, coming across, I think Harvick was almost running out, Keselowski, yep. And we're like, what is going on here? They're out of fuel, so they can't make it. And then, yeah, we noticed they opened it immediately, but I'm glad you pointed that out because, honestly, I didn't even really recognize the, that, that fact that um, they usually wait a couple minutes, a couple laps, then they open it, and then that's usually why it's about seven or ten laps in the middle of a stage before they go green again. Um, so I thought that was interesting, and I, I agree. If they're going to pull that strategy and they run out of fuel, too bad. Usually NASCAR takes like 65 minutes to clean anything up out of the track. So <laughs> if they want to, they should just be able to suck it up and push 15 cars if they run out of gas. I, you know, I think that's all. Well, part and it of would the have been their fault. The, not their right. fault as a NASCAR, but the team's fault. Right. And if, the, if there's going to be a car sitting there in a caution and they end up losing five laps because there's not enough tow trucks. Too bad, you know. You should have yep. played your strategy. You should have saved fuel differently. Yeah. I just don't like it because whenever you whenever you change something like that, it affects another team. Like somebody was right. playing the strategy differently. Right. It's not yeah. everybody the, the same, and I want everything to be fair. Then, then you know? you're conforming to to other teams. It feels like or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah, and I'm sure that there'll probably be about five thousand people in your Twitter DMs about how you're wrong or. Whatever, and it's all opinion-based. I mean, you can think whatever you want, and there's maybe right opinions or wrong opinions. I, I don't really know. I don't really care, but, you know, at the end of the day, I would like NASCAR to be consistent, and some of the stuff they do is great. Some of the stuff they do is don't, isn't. Um, it's not great, and that's just the way it is. But, yeah, I thought that was – I'm glad you pointed that up because I'm just realizing, thinking through it in my head, kind of – that was interesting they did that. And then they had, didn't do it again. It was just a one-time thing. So um, why why are you so into racing? Like, what what is it about it that has made you so dedicated to this, the, the sport and, and following it and being a fan of it and all that? So ever since I was, like, two years old, my mom's always told me or remembers that I would sit on the front porch and watch cars go up and down the street. I'm obsessed with cars. I'm obsessed with production cars. I'm obsessed with race cars. Anything that moves with wheels maybe skis too or, or skids or whatever you want to call them. Um, I'm just into anything that moves. Um, I used to be really into construction material and backhoes and all this other stuff, but I kind of went into just focusing on just cars, and I'm going to college for automotive. So I'm into the, I, I don't know, there's just something, you know, there's just something about cars I just obsess with. I just love the way they look, especially these, the new cars like the Camaro. I just, I'm in love with that car. I think it's amazing looking um, body lines, just their sounds, the smells, the way the pit crews go, you know, the strategies. There's just something about all that stuff that me as a person that loves cars just connects with me. And watching it, being able to watch it and be blessed to be down here and talking to you right now and just doing all the stuff I'm able to do, I, I'm just in love with it, which is one of the reasons why I don't like to bash racing because I just mm-hmm. love racing i love to watch them yes go around in left turns or if it's indy car or road course go in left and right turns or if it's like hot wheels little toy car <laughs> flipper things you go upside down i don't really care as long as they're moving so wait so how old are you i'm 21 okay so you're 21 nascar has a problem getting people your age interested in the races so um how can they get more people in your demographic to be as interested in it as you are yeah you know it's really tough and we, me and Elijah and everybody, all my friends my age, go back and forth about this. And a lot of it, I think, and it's a, it's not just NASCAR problem, it's a general problem, is this this phone that mm-hmm. I, you guys can't see, but I'm holding up. 
a lot of the people my age, they're just addicted to their phone. They're not addicted to going out and doing things or, like, let's say back in the day people would go out and tinker on their cars or, you know, like play baseball, play football. They would do stuff like that. And a lot now they're just sitting in their house playing on their phone or playing video games, and they're not interested in getting out and doing these things or sitting in the stands and watching them. You know, I don't know if I really have a fix. I don't know if there is a fix at this point because I think, in my opinion, it's a cultural. A lot of it can be a cultural thing for people my age to get interested. Um, one thing I would say, though, that if you're, you know, teenager, 20s, 30s, or any age, really, if you have a friend that's not interested, I'd say try to bring them to a race and try to get them interested because it's amazing. Like, we have been able to watch a race on the backstretch here at Dover. I mean, they fly by you like, holy smokes, it's like, whew about get a heart attack watching them it just just turns you on i don't know what i don't know and I, people that don't watch racing i don't know what they're missing <laughs> it's just they don't know what they're missing really it's just amazing so i i don't know if there's really a fix but i would definitely suggest that if you're into racing bring friends try to get other people involved we try mm-hmm. we have a couple of friends that are younger we try to get them involved in racing try to keep them maybe try to get the next generation grow a seed yeah. Some sort of stuff like that. That's cool. Well, I, I definitely appreciate your passion. It's pretty cool to see. Um, I guess I never gave my prediction for was it a good race <laughs> after we got sidetracked there. But um, you said 40%. I'll say 60% and uh, or probably fall somewhere in the middle there. 60% but no? Or I'll say 60% yes. Okay, and you say 40% okay. yes. Right. Yeah. So, um, Aaron, thanks so much for joining yeah. me. And if people want to follow you... Um, at Racer48 Racers, your Twitter name. Any other places to follow you? Yep, I have that same username for Twitter, Instagram, and for Snapchat. And uh, if anybody wants to add me in all those places and hook up, it's a good thing. I got no problem. Anybody want to come talk to me or try to fight me? Yeah, that's fine with me, too. <laughs> um, in person or on Twitter, you know, I'm always ready for a keyboard warrior fight. Not really, but um, also I do a lot of um, photography. Um, stuff. So that's the main reason why I was down here this weekend. I've been blessed to have opportunities to do stuff like that. So especially on Instagram, if you guys want to check that out, I would appreciate that. And, you know, constructive feedback or just, you know, like it, whatever. It's it's cool. So I, that's one of my – that's one of the other reasons why I'm really into racing is this photography. Yeah. I just love taking pictures of the cars going fast, slow, pit stops, just aesthetics, all of it. So that's, that's awesome. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you letting me be on the show. And – I'm sure I'll get about a thousand mentions about somehow I'm how I'm wrong or right. It's okay. I love everybody. They're all different. You 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 want it though. You encourage it. You're bringing it on. You're saying yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Well, thanks again for joining me. And for the rest of you, um, there's going to be a 12 questions with Brad Kozlowski this week coming out Tuesday. So that's the next podcast. And then the How I Got Here is going to be with Nick Terry of Motor Racing Outreach. He has a fascinating story. So that's going to be on Thursday. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast.